Welcome to Salt and Light with Pastor Rodney Finch. Salt and Light is a radio outreach ministry of Calvary Chapel, Cary. Jesus, speak to me. Open your word and reveal your heart to me. Salt and Light is a series of verse-by-verse studies through the Bible, focusing on its practical application to our everyday lives. Salt and Light is recorded live at Calvary Chapel, Cary, in Apex, North Carolina. Stay tuned. At the end of the program, we will give you information on how to contact us, so be sure to have a pen and paper ready. Today, Pastor Rodney will be teaching from the book of John, chapter 19. So grab your Bibles and follow along. Now with today's teaching, here's Pastor Rodney. We'll come in for a landing on John chapter 19. Can you believe it? We're almost done with the Gospel of John. We have two chapters to go, and um, we have been in this study for more than two and a half years now. Amen. Studying God's Word. I don't think the Lord's going to be upset if he comes back and we haven't finished chapter 21. Y'all think so? I don't. Because we take our time going through the Word. Learning and growing, right? John chapter 19. If you've been with us, you know, let me have your attention, if you will. If you've been with us, you know, the babe born in the manger is resting. And he was born to be sacrificed for our sin. We talked about that. And it was God's plan from the beginning of time that Jesus would come to the earth and be crucified by the hate of men. I told you that God works his purpose through holy men and sinful men. And at the cross, in the hands of hateful men, in the hands of sinful men, God is performing his plan and God is performing his will. We know that from Isaiah chapter 53, verse 4 and 5. You might want to write that down. Surely. He has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows, and yet we esteemed him stricken, smitten by God, and afflicted. But he was wounded for our transgressions, and he was bruised for our iniquities. And the chastisement of our peace was upon him. Anybody know the rest? And by his stripes we are healed. Is that all? Anybody know the rest? And by his stripes we are healed. So last time we left off, were you with me? Jesus is hanging on the cross. And there at the foot of the cross is four Marys and one John. As Jesus is hanging, beaten, bloodied with just a few short moments to live, Jesus looks down and he says, John, take care of my mother. He looked at his mother and says, behold your son. And there a family was formed at the cross. We talked about that, didn't we? That real families are not really an issue of blood. Are you listening? Real families are not really an issue of blood. Think about it. Just this Christmas, you, if you had a family gathering and people were there, um, and it was a lot of people there from family, some of them people you didn't even know. I know we just, really, we just buried our stepmom uh, two, two weeks ago, and, 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 and there was a bunch of people there. And, of course, everybody comes from everywhere, and you're like, well, well, you know, who are you? And they go, well, I'm cousin to your uncle's sister's uncle's aunt's nephew niece. <laughs> huh? 
Say that again. <laughs> how do how we relate it? But we know when we come into the house of God how we're related. Because we families are formed at the cross. We are all here in this sanctuary right now because of Jesus Christ and because of Jesus Christ alone. Come on, clap your hands and say amen. Because of Jesus and because of Jesus alone. That's the only reason why we're here. You would know me. I always say this. I think it's important. You wouldn't know me if it wasn't for Jesus. And I wouldn't know you if it wasn't for Jesus. So, and then we, when, we, when we give our lives to Jesus Christ, you become a part of the universal family of God. And now we are brothers and sisters. And whether you like it or not, you can't pick your family. Say amen. You're probably thinking about Christmas right now. Oh, man, we can't pick, you can't pick your family. Oh, my goodness. If I could pick my family, I wouldn't pick you. Because of Jesus, families are formed at the cross. We learned that from our text the last time. As Jesus said, John, treat Mary like I would, take over as a provider. And John agrees and takes Mary. Now, in our text this morning, listen, it's really lengthy. And it's dealing with his death and his burial. And next week, we're going to look at the resurrection. But I want you to pay close attention in how Jesus shows tremendous power over life and death. And in that, we're going to see the exact fulfillment of prophecy because Jesus really does have power over life and death. Does anybody agree with that? He really does have power over life and death. Amen. So I've titled this sermon, Love and Tenderness. You'll know why in just a minute. John chapter 19 says, we pick up in verse 28. If you're looking at verse 28, I need you to say a hearty Amen. After this, I want you to underline that after this, underline that after this, after this, Jesus, knowing that all things were now accomplished, that the scriptures might be fulfilled, said, what do you say, saints? I thirst. Now, a vessel full of sour wine was sitting there and they filled a sponge with sour wine and they put it on hyssop. Hyssop is like a bush. It's like a branch. It almost reminds you of like a loofah. Like you ever see like the sea come out the sea, the loofah. It's just one big, you know, thing of spongy. But, but, but the hyssop was a little more um, bristled than that. Hyssop. Hyssop. Uh, so they put it on hyssop and they put it to his mouth. So when Jesus had received the sour wine, he said, it is finished. And bowing his head, he gave up his spirit. Therefore, because it was the preparation day that the bodies should not remain on the cross on the Sabbath, for the Sabbath was a high day, the Jews asked Pilate that their legs might be broken and that they might be taken away. And then the soldiers came and broke the legs of the first and of the other who was crucified with him. But when they came to Jesus in verse 33 and they saw that he was already dead, they did not break his legs. But one of the soldiers pierced his side with a spear, and immediately, what came out, saints? Blood and water. And he who has seen has testified, and his testimony is true, and he knows that he's telling the truth, so that you may believe. For these things were done, that the scripture might be fulfilled. Not one of his bones shall be broken. And again, another scripture says, they shall look on him whom they have pierced. 
saying, stop right there. Give me your attention. After this, verse 28, after this, after what? Well, putting the gospel records together, this is after three hours of darkness. This is after Jesus said, my God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? After this moment of complete and utter painful darkness, it was during this moment of darkness, listen to me close. It was during this moment of complete darkness that Jesus is drinking, completely drinking the cup of God's wrath as he bears the sin of the entire world. This is hard for us to imagine what's taking place in this darkness. Remember, we talked about the cup. And I told you, got your pen? I told you that the cup is a figure of speech of God's wrath and God's fury. Write that down. Cup equals God's wrath and God's, God's fury. Isaiah chapter 51, verse 17. Awake, awake, stand up, Jerusalem. You have drunk at the hand of the Lord, the cup of his fury. You have drunk the dregs of the cup of trembling and drained it. Leave that there. Revelation chapter 14 goes with this verse, talks about the cup of indignation or the cup of God's wrath. The dregs are the bottom of the cup. The dregs are the bottom of the cup. Those of you that drink coffee, y'all know what I'm talking about, don't you? The dregs, I'm I'm not a coffee drinker and God knows I don't need to be a coffee drinker. If I I was a coffee drinker, y'all wouldn't, I'm already hyper. Y'all know I jump out the bed. I mean, I wake up, I bam, I'm out the bed. I'm not one of the people that like come to, you know how some people come to like they've been in a coma and then they, and then they oh yeah. And then they, and they come, and that's not me. And my eyes open, I'm bam. Honey, you wake. So if, if I had coffee, y'all would not want me to be around. I'm telling you, I don't, I don't drink coffee. But I know that if you drink coffee, like at the bottom of the cup, because I was in the Navy for 13 years. Go Navy. Amen. And, and those chiefs, those chiefs, they used to have, the, the, and some of y'all Navy people, you know what I'm talking about. You're not really a Navy chief nor master chief if you're not drinking from a coffee cup that you have not washed in seven years. Am I right about it? Because that's a part of being in the Navy where you, you know, and the dregs is what's at the bottom of the cup, the dregs. So the Bible teaches that Jesus drank the cup of fury or the cup of God's wrath, and he drank the dregs or the bottom, which means he drank it to the full. He drank it completely. Listen, you got to understand what's happening now. See, what Jesus agonized over was Jesus didn't agonize over the beating, although that was bad. And Jesus didn't agonize over the scourging, although that was horrible. Jesus agonized over the cup of God's wrath as Jesus would hang on that tree for our sins and become the sin bearer. And God the Father would pour the cup of his wrath upon his son so we wouldn't have to experience that cup and drink it to its dregs. And that's why Jesus prayed, Father, if it be thy will, let this what? Cup pass from me. So after this, is after Jesus saw the hand of God the Father stretched out, handing him a cup 
foaming and frothing with the wrath of God while on the cross the father said, this is for you. Son, you have to drink it. And he drank it and drained it to his dregs completely and fully. And he took the full punishment of God upon himself for you and for me. After this, Jesus, knowing that all things were accomplished, note that the scriptures might be fulfilled. He said, what did he say, saints? I thirst. You see, Jesus realized that all the prophecies except one had been fulfilled. Huh? He realized all the prophecies except one had been fulfilled, and that would be Psalm 69, verse 3, write it down, where he talks about, I thirst. That one prophecy remained unfulfilled. Write it in your margin, Psalm 69, 3. So the soldiers take the sponge with sour wine and they put it to his mouth. Jesus received the sour wine to wet his parched lips and dry throat And he wet his parched lips and dry throat to make one final great cry. Verse 30 to tell us I. It is done. It is finished. Paid in full. You got to understand this word to tell us die. It was an important word in the Greek culture. It is also an important word for us. It's a very common word in Jesus day. It was used for a criminal who had been paid. He had paid his debt to society when he was released from prison. He was given a piece of paper stamped to telestai. This word was used for a servant when he completed an assigned task. Maybe he was scrubbing the floors or something like that. And he went back to his master and he said, to telestai means it's finished, means I've done what you asked and I've done it completely. This word was used for a writer when he put his last period on the last sentence. This word was used to telestai for a priest after he examined the animal sacrifice and he found it faultless. People came with their sacrifice. You know, Calvary Chapel, where you at? And they would, the priest would examine the sacrifice and look at the animal and see if there's any spot or blemish. And if there was no spot or blemish or broken bones, then he would say, to tell us die. It is finished. It's complete. It's good. This word was used by a painter when he had his last stroke on a portrait. Finally, it was used by a merchant when a business transaction was paid in full. When Jesus gave himself on the cross and paid our debt, saints, he paid it in full. Are you glad about it? He paid it in full. He paid it in full. Now listen, in the Greek tense, this really reads really interesting. In the Greek tense, it reads like this. It has been finished. It stands finished and it will always be finished. It has been finished. It stands finished and it will always be finished. Never to be improved upon or almost finished or pretty much finished. You glad about that? There's nothing you can do to add payment. No religious act can make you better. In the sight of God, giving to the March of Dimes doesn't make you better. Given to the Salvation Army during the holidays when they stand outside Walmart. Amen. I went to Walmart the other day without incident. Praise the Lord. I'm telling y'all, y'all know I told you every time I go to Walmart, there's an incident. I don't go to Walmart because I'm trying to keep my Christian witness. Y'all say, go and preach, Pastor. 
I'm trying to keep my witness. Every time I go to Walmart, something happens. Somebody hit me with a card. I'm like, why you hit me with a card? Because I felt like it. Now I've got to lose my witness. It's not worth it. It's just not worth it. So none of this giving or anything can add to to Telestai. That's what I'm trying to tell you. When it is finished, it is finished. Don't you love it? Jesus said it's finished, not you're finished. I love that. He said it's finished, not you're finished. He could have said you're finished. When you sin, he could have said you're finished. He said it's finished. What's finished? Every prophecy fulfilled is finished. Redemption is completed. The work that he came to do is finished. The sin bearing that has been accomplished, cup drank to the dreads. The righteous requirements of the law have been performed. God's love has been portrayed perfectly. The stronghold of the devil has been broken. To Telestai it's done, paid in full. After Jesus, look at verse 30. After Jesus received a sour wine and let out a great cry of victory, because by the way, that wasn't a cry of defeat. That was a cry of victory. I need two saints to say amen. A great cry of victory. Then he bowed his head and he gave up the spirit. Now, all four gospels tell us that he gave up the spirit. Luke 23, 46. Father, into your hands I commend my spirit. He breathed his last breath and then he bowed his head and he gave up his spirit. Listen, understand something. Jesus was in full control of death. Do you understand Jesus controlled death? Jesus died only, all caps, bold, highlight, underscore, Jesus died only when he commanded death to take his life. Unlike us, death could not take him apart from his own will. Verse 30 tells us he gave up his spirit. This is so interesting in the Greek language. Listen, the idea he gave up, here's the idea. He pillowed his head. I told you going to want a pen. He pillowed his head. In other words, he just kind of laid it down. He yielded his spirit. You know, sometimes we buy into the Hollywood version of this, don't we? When Jesus died on the cross, the Hollywood version, Jesus is up on the cross, and he says, you know, Father, why has thou forsaken me? He sounds like Batman. He said that really bad version of Batman, the last one. What was it? The, I think it was the last one. That was a bad version of Batman. Father, into thy hands I commit my spirit. <laughs> and then when he dies and he breathes his last breath and he dies and he just goes, he goes, you know, in every Hollywood movie, you got to have a cough before you die. So he's a father, into thy hands I commit my spirit. And then he goes, <coughs> 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 You know, and then he slumps over, you know, and his head, you know, his head goes, hey. You know what I mean? That's, that's the Hollywood version of it. Listen, that is, that, 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 that can't be right. That's not in the, the original text. It doesn't even read that way. It reads that he said, Father, into thy hands I commit my spirit. And he breathed his last breath and he pillowed his head. Peacefully yielded. He bowed his head. 
laying down like, like on a pillow. Jesus died because he said, death, you may take me now. There's no such thing as an unexpected death for Jesus. Somebody need to say amen right there. Death couldn't lay one hand on Jesus until all is fulfilled. In verse 31 through 37, we just read it. Now, when the Romans crucified, listen, you would put a nail through each wrist, and then you would kind of overlap the feet and put a nail through the feet. And it was obviously very difficult to breathe, so you had to try to kind of pull yourself up to kind of get a breath. So sometimes they would then come with a mallet and break the femur. Literally take the mallet and just start whacking at your femur and shatter it into pieces, which was actually an act of mercy because then you would die quicker because you don't have the strength of your femur muscles to pull you up so that you can get a breath of air. So you would suffocate and die even quicker, even and they did this so that you would die before the evening sacrifice or before the evening Passover. Deuteronomy 21, 22, and 23 says, if a man has committed a sin deserving of death and he is put to death and you hang him on a tree, his body shall not remain there over on the tree overnight, but you shall surely bury him that day so that you do not defile the land which the Lord your God is giving you as an inheritance for he who is hanged is accursed of God. So verse 32, Pilate gave permission to break their legs. They broke the legs of the first and then the other. Look at verse 33. But when they came to Jesus, what saints? He was already dead. And they did not break his legs. Verse 34. But one of the soldiers took a spear and thrust it in his side and blood and water came out. We're going to come back to that. Listen, if a commanding officer, look at me. If a commanding officer gave you an order to go break legs, what do you think you ought to do? you go break legs. And if you don't go break legs, then they will break your legs. So the soldier comes to Jesus and he had already been dead. And he then takes his razor sharp spear and he sticks it into his side just to be sure that he's dead. And two great cleansing elements come out, blood and water. This spear, listen, didn't just pierce his side. It opened his side. What you mean, pastor? I really believe that when that Roman soldier stuck that spear in, I believe he twisted it and opened his side. And the reason I believe that, because John chapter 20, Jesus comes walking through the wall and he says, Thomas, take your fingers and put them into my hand and take your whole hand and put it into my side. And don't be doubting, but believing. See, I think that soldier put that spear in and then he twisted it to be sure that he was dead. When the spear went in, blood and water came out, which tells us that the soldier stuck the spear along the rib cage into the heart. Medical people, you know this. There is a sac around your heart called the pericardium. Are y'all listening to this? There's a sac around your heart called the pericardium. In that sac is water. The soldier probably took the spear, stuck it in, it went along his rib cage and up piercing the pericardium. And when he pulled it out, blood and water came 
out. Verse 36 and 37 tell us these things were done that the scripture should be fulfilled. Not one of his bones shall be broken. Bible students, write this in your margins. Psalm 3420. Psalm 3420, that the scriptures might be fulfilled. They didn't break Jesus' legs for two reasons. Number one, to fulfill scripture and prophecy. Well, there's a scripture concerning the Passover lamb. Y'all stay with me in Numbers chapter 9, concerning the Passover lamb in, in verse 12, that says they shall not leave none of it until morning, talking about the lamb that was brought for sacrifice. They shall not leave none of it until morning, nor break one of its bones. According to all the ordinances of the Passover, they shall keep it. The sacrificial lamb could not have one bone broken to be acceptable. And if Jesus had one bone broken, listen to me, you could throw your Bible away. You have been listening to Salt and Light, a radio outreach ministry of Pastor Rodney Finch and Calvary Chapel Cary, located in Apex, North Carolina. Join Pastor Rodney Monday through Friday at this same time. For information regarding service times, you can contact us at 1-800-293-0923. That's 1-800-293-0923. You may listen to today's broadcast in its entirety by visiting the Media Library on our website at cccarry.org. We would like to thank you for tuning in to Salt and Light and pray that you have been blessed. Until next time, may you be salt and light.